0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Wheat Jesus. I'm your host Whitney and today we have a very special guest, my friend Louise. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> That's Louise. He's got many, many talents. Um, one of them is stand-up comedy. You guys should definitely check him out uh, in Flagstaff if you ever get the chance. But we are here today to talk about fire fighting. So how long have you been fighting fires?
1: So I've been a wildland firefighter for eight years now. Yeah. Um, I started in 2015. That was in Los Angeles, and then ultimately got a job on a hotshot crew here in Arizona just south of here in Happy Jack. Uh, I, I've been doing that since 2016. In 2019 uh, was my last season on a Hot Crew. I got hired on an engine. I work as an assistant fire engine operator. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so how does one become a firefighter? How do you get on a crew?
1: Well, Whitney, it's quite easy. <laughs> well, it's kind of a, it's, it's a long process as far as the application goes, it's fairly simple. Excuse me.
0: You're good. <laughs> Technical difficulties. <laughs> He's actually got Corona, so.
1: Yep, so we're here in my humble Corona studio. <laughs> um, no, so the application process is pretty simple. It's a it's a matter of just uploading your resume to this website. Um, you apply for the job, answer a couple of questions, and that's it. And the website is usajobs.gov. So you don't need any
0: experience?
1: No, not an, you don't need much experience to get an entry-level position with the with the service. But you do need at least one year of experience to get on a hotshot career
0: what's the difference between i guess a, a crew you would start
1: out with versus a hotshot crew a hotshot crew it's they don't hold your hand through the whole process you should know some sort of fire science or some sort of have some sort of fire knowledge uh, you a, a, what a hotshot crew is is a 20 person module mm-hmm. that travels across the country because it's an interagency hotshot crew so they get shared across different agency boundaries so you could work um, on the Bureau of Land Management, you could work for the Forest Service, the National Park Service, and so on.
0: It's all government, and it's funded. all it's
1: all government funded. Uh, I won't state what agency I work for, but you should. It's pretty easy to narrow down what, based off the description I just gave. Yeah. Um, all right, well, so, would they
0: be out looking for you?
1: <laughs> probably not. I'm trying not to say anything too bad because I know I can get pretty dirty when I speak when I speak into a microphone.
0: Is there like um, classified information
1: that hotshots get at all, or no? It's just, it's just trying to protect myself yeah, in the case that reputation. there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not to say I'm gonna say anything bad, but <laughs> yeah. So go going back to the hotshot crew, mm-hmm. it's a twenty person module. You travel across the country, uh, and you fight fires, and it's what's known as called it's called extended attack. So when a fire gets out of its, you know, basic level of complexity, mm-hmm. you send in a hotshot crew to, you know, dig line, which would mean cu- cutting a fire break, or burning, um, putting fire on the ground to get ahead of the main fire's edge.
0: Wait. So why would you add more fire to the fire?
1: Just to prevent sending people into a very sketchy situation. Um, um yeah, you do burn a few more acres, but the keeping safety in mind, you have less people in the way or in a sense just you can't control a wildfire, really. Yeah. So the the best thing to do is to step back a few times and try to reanalyze the situation and then you would put fire on the ground this way you're getting rid of all the fuels before the main fire gets to it. And the fuel is anything organic that could be burned. So twigs, needles, leaves, trees. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so you're fighting fire with fire.
0: Right.
1: Uh, so you would be doing that. Other times, it's just a matter of going in and cutting dead trees that are in the way. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, with chainsaw work. Um,
0: yeah, I've heard there's like left saw and right saw. Is that something you know I'm not familiar about? with that, okay. but
1: every chainsaw is, in a sense, built for a right handed individual. Oh, okay. I'm not sure what a left saw, right saw okay. is. Okay, maybe someone
0: was just fucking with
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But there are several saw teams on a hotshot crew. It could be, it's a standard, would be 20, uh, 20 people, uh, the captain or the superintendent would go around figuring out logistics and trying mm. to come up with a grand plan. He will go inside the fire or into the fire and come up with a plan, kind of develop some situational awareness. Mm. And once he has that plan, he has his other, other individuals, which are the foremans or the squad bosses.
0: What's a squad boss?
1: squad boss is a captain that's in charge of 10 people.
0: Okay, so and, where did that badass
1: name come from? Because it's a short squad, okay. and that's your your job. Your your job's to be, you know, in squad, charge of that. squad. Yeah. yeah. So
0: have you ever been a squad boss? I actually
1: detailed as a squad boss on a crew here in Flagstaff uh, this last summer, and it was it was a different experience. It was a obviously more responsibility because yeah. now you're in charge of. <clears throat> other firefighters, right. um, looking out for their best interest, but I had a good time. I had, uh, good reports and people didn't really have much to say. Do you
0: do like when, okay, so there's a wildfire, right? Mm-hmm. And they need all hands on deck. Yeah. What kind of shifts do you work? How does that work? So do you, you would work sleep at some point.
1: Yeah. So you would, it's not uncommon to work a 32 hour shift. Oh wow. Um, especially when the fire had just started, if let's say it was a lightning caused fire, mm-hmm. uh, resources are stretched thin. So you have to split up the squads and you take one side of the fire, but we'll take the other, and that's called left mm-hmm. and right flank.
0: Okay.
1: Um or southern, northern, eastern, western, right. whatever it may be. You come up with a military tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, once you start to flank, you could protect one area that's that's Essentially, the heel of the fire. Mm-hmm. So just look at a foot. You know, it's the bottom. It's right. the that's initially where the fire started.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So you protect that area, and then you start to progress forward. Now, there's times where that tactic won't work. You yeah. have to start going outside the box and looking right. at surrounding roads or surrounding ridge lines, mm-hmm. and it's it's based off the geography and what the fuels are doing. Yeah. So, depending on how severe this fire is or how complex it is, mm-hmm. you would need to order resources. But those resources might not get there for another day. You know, this fire could be in Idaho. Right. And there are no hotshot crews. So there's 10-person modules. There's engines. There are attack crews. We have a friend, Will, mm-hmm. who works on a helicopter. Oh, um, he does? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and they get flown into a fire and essentially build a base out of that. Or sometimes they'll get dropped into a fire and construct fire line, and we also have, uh, another aviation resource. It's called smoke jumper, and what is you're that? essentially you're falling off a plane. <laughs> no, oh good. You you parachute into a fire. Um,
0: that sounds dangerous.
1: It's yeah. very dangerous, and not only is it dangerous in the sense where you're landing somewhere and there's what we call a watch out where there's unburned fuel between yourself and the actual fire's edge. Cause oh. there's this huge buffer of organic material mm-hmm. that may be on the same aspect of the slope. So that fire could start to push and engulf everything within that buffer. Wow. So you have nothing, you have no <clears> barrier. Yeah. Is that what a, a fire line is? What's a
0: fire line? A
1: fire line is a break in organic material. So it's what's called a fire break. That's where you get dozers, um, hotshot crews, engines, people, Mm -hmm. essentially people on the ground to cut everything out of the way Mm -hmm. to bare mineral soil. This way the fire doesn't burn through it because the only rock that burns is crack rock.
0: (laughs) You know a lot about crack rock. I do.
1: (laughs) Which is why I would not say (laughs) what agency (laughs) I work for.
0: So. Hell Attack, are they also responsible for, like, um, I guess, dropping water? You know, you see, like, videos <clears throat> so, of
1: that. Hell Attack is in charge of um, making sling sling missions. So if there is a hot shot crew on a, on, a, on a fire and they're way out of distance, they can't drive back to base every day, mm-hmm. they'll ship them supplies, they'll pick up their refuse, and then they... They set up buckets, and those buckets is what you see on those ships.
0: Oh. You don't need
1: a whole hot, you don't need a whole hell attack crew to drop water. You just need the pilot and maybe a helicopter manager right.
0: Okay. I can't
1: dive into uh, hell attack too much because I don't really know too much about it. yeah um, I just know that they are an essential role in wildland fire and fire suppression.
0: well, yeah, that makes sense mm-hmm. so as far as your job goes. What's the like craziest fire you've ever seen? Well... And how did it start?
1: It's so hard to think of the craziest fire because usually I just go back to the last large fire I was on because it gets... It, I'm not going to say it gets worse every year, but some years are milder than others. Yeah. But I've been in... So this last summer I was up in the Belknap uh, Indian Reservation in Montana in the Little Rockies and, the fire was pushing this subdivision, which is just a, which are a bunch of homes, structures, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of people there that refused to evacuate. I
0: don't
1: know. You know, for whatever reason, I have yeah. nothing against those people. I understand that. That's all they have. Yeah. So they don't want to leave it. I get but, that,
0: but if it's gonna burn, it's gonna burn with you in it or not. Exactly,
1: yeah. and it's at that point. As sad as this might sound, it is just a fuel type. Yeah. Um, if there's people there, obviously we try to do our very best to ensure their safety because most of the time, every time, um, uh, the intent is to have public and firefighter safety be the first.
0: Well, right. Yeah.
1: So the fire was pushing down this hill and it was, it's kind of hard to imagine a fire going downhill. Uh, At the speed in which it was going. It was moving a lot faster because there was wind behind it. Um, Because wind is a big carrier in fire. You can be on flat ground and it's grass. Now, grass burns real easily. Right. But that's because there's not enough water or the fuel is very thin. It's, It's grass.
0: So did it end up getting to the subdivision?
1: It got to the subdivision. Oh, no. Um only the only things that burned were vehicles and we were able to put fire on the ground before the main fire got there mm-hmm. and essentially light everything off and the we pretty much had fire run into that main fire and ultimately extinguished it
0: so have you ever done like uh what's it called like a controlled burn where you Yeah, we do that intentionally... often intentionally
1: okay yeah and that's very important to the ecosystem especially living here in flagstaff where we have the ponder the largest ponderosa pine forest in the world Mm -hmm. um this these trees need fire to grow that's why when you see the ponderosa trees they have very low limb don't have low limbs all the limbs are Uh, pretty high
0: yeah
1: and there's areas or pockets of the forest where they're pretty trees are pretty sparse but they're massive trees now, we need massive trees as opposed to a large clump of small trees, a small cluster of them, because when a fire gets into those, the needles are very low to the ground, mm-hmm. so it starts to climb the tree a lot faster, and it gets into the tops of the trees and starts to spread along the crowns. So So sometimes
0: the fire is not even on the ground.
1: It's no, like sometimes, the trees. sometimes it could be above in the trees, <clears throat> and then ultimately the fire the ground fire starts to creep through the ground mm-hmm. and sometimes it burns below the soil or not below the soil but below all the needle cast and duff layer oh
0: so how is it like different fighting fires that are on the ground versus in the trees
1: yeah <clears throat> fighting fires when they're in the trees you pretty much have to stand back and wait
0: there's nothing to do
1: um uh, unless it runs into a. Uh, You know, like a barrier, like that's why you see planes that drop retardant and it's this chemical that prevents, um, the ignition of fire Okay. and in a sense it drowns the fire because you need heat, oxygen and fuel for fire to, to be fire.
0: Right. Yeah. To spread. So were you a part of that fire that was started, I think it was in California, um, from a, um, no it
1: was a a baby reveal Um, thing
0: and they like did fireworks and then so
1: I was on a different fire that started the same way by a border patrol agent
0: yeah
1: um down in southern Arizona okay um so we worked that for two weeks and then got two days off
0: wow so how's like what's the craziest way that a fire has ever started that you've been on or funniness. I mean, it's funny, but just like, what no, are you doing? you be surprised
1: at some of the things that people do. Like, Okay, the most common, and it's so stressful, and I've never heard of this for camping, but people like to burn their teepee or their toilet paper after they're done what? pooping. Why?
0: I don't know why. It's biodegradable. <laughs> or you're Still. supposed to get the kind that's biodegradable. Exactly so um lighting shit on fire yeah literally um didn't you tell me there was like a guy one time that started a fire to survive
1: yeah that's that's another one so i felt and now when i'm a little torn because i really felt bad for that guy Mm -hmm. he was out hiking in the wilderness and then he ran out of water you know, maybe there was poor planning. Maybe he lost his water along the way. Right. You know I mean, I've been camping before where the jug fell out of the truck and uh, yeah, I was out of water. True. So I could see that. But he he was out in the Sedona Wilderness. It's not called the Sedona Wilderness. I think it's called the Red Rock Wilderness. Mm-hmm. might be wrong on both ends. But it's really pretty either way. It is. Yeah. And he... Was pretty much stripped down naked and had no no nothing else to do he was going to die so he intentionally started a fire to have somebody come and find him and sure enough they found him yeah the fire caught right yeah it kind of blew out of this little drainage that he was in and that's another thing um the placement of fires and I'm not trying to give anybody ideas as to where to start fires but don't start
0: fires
1: (laughs) if there's if it's on a southern facing aspect and there is a drainage nearby,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you could rest assured that it's gonna be, it's gonna blow out of there.
0: What do you mean by blow? Like just start spreading? mm mm-hmm,
1: At a like at an alarming rate.
0: Okay, so for you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you've done all these fires. Where you said Montana?
1: Where else uh, have I've you been gone? To Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. Um. Oregon, California, Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, and Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Not, I'm sorry, not Georgia, Atlanta, um, Alabama.
0: Is, so there's not really as much on the East Coast. No, a lot of those, right.
1: that was just for controlled burns. Okay. Uh, well, at least Alabama was just a controlled burn. Every other state I was in was a wildfire.
0: So why do you think that there's oh, not Colorado. as many over on the East Coast versus the West Coast it's all on
1: fire. It's pretty wet. Okay. It's pretty wet, it's pretty flat, um, it's really thick. And yeah, because of that alone, the relative humidity and the the fuels just takes a lot longer for them to dry out. And they do a really good job at prescribed fires down there. They, What's
0: a prescribed
1: fire? It's a controlled burn. Okay. So they have a prescription. Um, it takes about 10 years to get a, a prescription approved. And it's like this area needs fire to be reintroduced into, you know, um, the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. This is how we plan to burn it. This is how many resources we need. This is why we're burning this. And this is what it should look like when we're done burning. Okay. So fire is important on all coasts right when it comes to um protecting the ecosystem
0: do you ever have people in opposition like ch- yelling at you guys during the all the time yeah, yeah there's times
1: where you're in texas or somewhere in the south it doesn't matter where where people don't want the federal government there
0: oh it's that there is that even that, about that, the that happens animals. a lot in idaho
1: there's a lot of you know um areas that don't want any anything related to the government there and they so these
0: people don't they're not worried about the animals or anything oh like they don't that care and about. that's another
1: thing too that's what needs to be in a prescription <clears throat> I know out here and on the Coconino there's we're trying to do this for um, the the wildlife and conservation efforts so a lot of the hunters here understand Mm -hmm. it's a shame when we have to burn something and there's a there's a hunt in the middle of it because it scares all the animals away Uh, but they tend to come back because the animals like recently burned areas because there's fresh grass the grass uh, starts to grow back right
0: away right away Mm -hmm. and then like let's say you've done a controlled burn in the ponderosas how long does it take before those little trees build up again
1: I don't know the exact timeline for those, but so it like doesn't a take of years, very long. Yeah. Not not
0: long at all. And or if like... you want to
1: get rid of the little trees, that's what we're trying to yeah. eradicate. We want we want to create a healthy amount of competition for the larger trees.
0: Right, but they don't automatically start growing back because nature. Some do, yeah, because mm-hmm.
1: in order there's trees that require well pine cones that require fire in order for them to release their seeds. So Wait,
0: what? They do? Yeah,
1: so because it's a pine cone, and once the fire gets through it, it starts to open it up. And depending on how hot it actually is, mm-hmm. it'll release the seed, the seedling, and then have a tree.
0: That's wild, because, you know, I grew up in Georgia, in the mm-hmm. land of the pines, if mm-hmm. you will. There's a whole song about it. Um, but again, there's not really any wildfires there, so... How are all these pines being,
1: <laughs> you know? It just depends. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, you don't, maybe you don't need fire for those trees, but I know out here we do. Um, maybe for specifically certain for ponderosa pines, yeah. So the aspen tree, I'm sure you're aware of. I've
0: heard of these,
1: yes. Okay. So beautiful trees, beautiful mm-hmm. bark. Um, you rub a little bit of the powder off the tree like you rub your hand across the 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 bark yeah and you could use that it has like 10 spf or spf of seven what? you use that really? sunscreen yeah
0: well i guess i mean if you really think about it though all things come from nature so like exactly. aloe all of that mm-hmm. is a uh, for your skin do you have to do that at times like for burns and stuff do you ever have to use nature around you
1: yeah you use like you could use if you're constructing a fire line and you're trying to, we're just trying to use the best way possible to stop fire at the, the most effective way. So, mm-hmm. if there's a huge rock scree or a massive boulder, mm-hmm. you include that because that is a natural barrier that you would use. If there's a creek bottom,
0: okay, and yeah, the creek
1: has a good amount of water flowing through it, and it's a it's a there's break in the fuels. Then we could use that creek bottom to. Fight the fire.
0: I mean, do you <clears throat> often find yourself in a place with creeks though, when there's wildfires? It depends on
1: where we're at. Yeah. I know when we were in Alabama, there was a there's so much water. It's just
0: well, uh, yeah. I guess that was a controlled fire
1: though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you'd be surprised at how many how many places have water, but it's we can't solely depend on that. And sometimes those areas are protected. Not in Arizona, <laughs> some of the. <laughs> Some of those areas are protected, and you can't draft water out of that.
0: Oh, because they're using it for like just homes fisheries, and all that. Oh.
1: fisheries. So yeah, we can't tap into people's wells without permission. Um, because do most
0: people just, give you permission, though. A lot that's... of
1: people do, but we try not to. We try to find alternative methods.
0: Yeah.
1: But what I was saying about the aspen trees. Yeah, sorry. Um, oh no no it's okay, <laughs> they. They need fire in order to grow, and they have to have very intense fire in order for them to sprout because they're connected through the roots, mm-hmm. and that's what they use to send their messages. It's almost like mushrooms and fun, fun, fungi. Fungi,
0: yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they
1: they're all connected, and it's all part of one root system. So whenever you yeah, see one yeah. aspen tree, you can rest assured that there's going to be another or two, three, yeah. hundreds.
0: We have aspens here, right? We do. We yeah. do.
1: And usually they gr- they've grown in areas that have had uh, fire in the past. That's why we still need to have fires here because these trees need them as well. And certain species of trees catch on fire a lot faster than others. What's the, the
0: one that grows up like
1: that? Um, I would say dug firs. Dug furs? Yeah, like dug furs or any those? sort of fur. In Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. Idaho, Montana, they have uh, what's called lodgepole. And that's because the limbs grow so close to the ground that mm-hmm. when the ground fire gets to those limbs, it just, just ignites and they go it. up in yeah. flames. And there's a lot of moss. So the moss yeah, that dries right. out, it looks like a old man's beard. And it starts to crawl up the tree and create enough heat to blow up.
0: Okay, so I guess I never really thought about the Pacific Northwest because it's rainy so much. They still have...
1: They I would still say have, more
0: wildfires than the
1: South. They still do, and that has to do with the amount of water that they're actually receiving. They're probably not receiving as much water as they normally do. So without getting oh. into the topic of climate, climate change, change yeah. um, <clears throat> I will say that there has been uh, hit, like historic fires mm-hmm. in areas that haven't had fire before yeah, or haven't had intense fires at the way they're having now
0: well two things i will say that i definitely believe in climate change Mm -hmm. on my own podcast definitely let people know that of course um so don't go fucking burning fires or like you know polluting everyone um
1: what kind of listeners do you have (laughs) yeah Yeah, do you have a cult yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah i have a cult following Actually, uh, we're doing really well in South Africa. Just as a side note, so hello to everyone in South Africa. Thanks for listening to us. That's uh, so random.
1: I'm sure <laughs> they're aware, aware of the fires that are happening in Australia. Not currently, but
0: oh yeah, because Australia had
1: crazy ballfires. fires last mm-hmm.
0: year, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, two years ago.
0: Was that is that not normal for them? Not that intense. Not that intense. Mm-mm. Do you think that we have more wildfires in the US than other places? Um
1: I would say so since yeah. we have a Here's the thing, there may be more media coverage behind it because there's so much at stake. Like we're if we're burning or if the trees are burning, then mm-hmm. somebody's losing money, somebody's losing a fishery, somebody's losing scenery, watersheds are at risk, and people depend on all of this. Not to say that those places don't, but the United States has a tendency of dramati- or dramatizing or
0: yeah. dramatizing. Like, dramatizing the yeah. word or, yeah.
1: or dramatizing, yeah, the situation.
0: Well, yeah. And
1: I'm not trying to, trying to take away from it. Yes, everything that we're going through is pretty intense, but there's times where it's just like, yeah, there was a, it was a fire tornado. It's like, yes, that happens often.
0: Oh, really? So you've seen a lot of fire tornadoes? Yeah,
1: and it's called the fire whirl.
0: Okay. Um,
1: And what happens is, if enough dust, and and that happens when you have an unstable environment where Mm. you have clear skies, um, you're getting straight vertical lift on Mm. the smoke, and that means the smoke is rising straight up. Mm -hmm. There's nothing obstructing it, and ultimately, it gets to the stratosphere, caps out, and there's so much pressure being developed that the fire creates its own weather system. So what starts to happen is this cloud gets through and then that, that, that cloud or this column of smoke collapses. And when it collapses, it brings water, hail, um, and then
0: uh, erratic
1: winds. So with those erratic winds, it starts to pick up dust and, and embers. And if you have, like I said, in order to have fire, you need fuel, mm-hmm. oxygen, and heat. Right. So you have all three of those elements.
0: So when it creates its own, has it ever put itself out from that? Like it's creating its now, own weather? <clears> because the wind
1: is what comes first and it starts to spread fire oh. everywhere in every which direction. So it makes it really hard. Oh. Um, Yes, there's times where we've had rain and it's dampered it, but you still have to go inside and put your fingers in the dirt, try to make sure that nothing is creeping.
0: So do you actually go in the middle, like you're surrounded by fire at times?
1: You know, sounds... I've been fortunate to work for individuals that have kept us out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's, that's a very stupid thing to do. That sounds stupid,
0: mm-hmm. but I'm sure other people have been... <laughs> Yeah. and Uh, Accidentally. And
1: again, there's firefighters that feel like that's our duty. We need to go in there at all, by all means necessary. It's like, yeah, maybe your ego needs to go in there, but not, (laughs) not everyone else. These are Are young, young people.
0: Yeah. I mean, these are lives at stake. So are, are there people that like butt heads within the community? Like definitely. And is it usually like people just trying to show off kind of?
1: (laughs) Yes. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. Um, you know, somebody once told me, one of my captains mentioned that everyone's just trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. um, whatever way that looks. Right. So some options may not jive well with us. Yeah. Maybe our options may not go well with the division that we're working for.
0: I've heard that um, a lot of people that have done it in the past that maybe didn't have the same gear you guys have and all that will kind of give you guys hell, like, oh, back in my day... You know, we
1: fought it with something about <clears throat> Levi jeans or something like... I don't give a shit. Honestly, yeah. I don't... Yeah, like, yes, yeah, you did do that, and I'm...
0: Glad thank you survived, yeah, thank you. Thank you for you. what you did,
1: but... You know what happens when you see a veteran on the street sometimes, and all they're doing is talking about, like, man, back in my day, or right. I served the numb. it's like, no, I appreciate your service, you know, yeah. I'm sorry yeah. you had to go through that, but...
0: Now we have better equipment, so I'm getting... Gonna... bottom line. yeah. So what kind of equipment do you, do you have to buy your own gear? No, they provide
1: all of that. Depends on who you work for. Some, some agencies and usually it's contract agencies that uh, you have to bring your own gear. You obviously have to buy your own boots.
0: Okay. But everything else. So these boots are like fire resistant boots? They're
1: not fire resistant. Um, They just hold better. They have Vibram sole and they're leather. Um, So it doesn't burn right away.
0: So it's, it is,
1: in a way, fire-resistant, but... Yeah, it's I'd say it's fire-retardant. Fire
0: okay. You just because... like using that word, I
1: think. No, no. <laughs> no, because it's 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 the proper way to go about it. It's exactly what it is.
0: Okay, so then what else do you... What does the government provide you? Like certain um, types of pants? They provide or... us
1: with uh, fire pants, or they're called Nomex pants that are... Flame resistant as well. it will okay. still catch on fire. Are they thick? They're thick. Yeah, they so it be gets thick. really hot. So dude. it gets hot as shit. Yeah. Yeah, it gets hot as shit. If you start stepping on on a recently burned area with your boots, you, you get, can feel it. Oh, big time.
0: Oh, wow. And it takes forever okay.
1: for them to cool down.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Do you... Okay, I think I've seen suspenders. Is that a thing? So
1: some people use suspenders. Um, it's That comes down to... the Personal style, style, or it, so much style, not but like... like if they're comfortable. So um, the reason why you wouldn't want to wear suspenders, let's say you have a belt with a belt buckle like this. Mm-hmm. You have your fire pack which has a buckle, mm-hmm. um, and then you have a chainsaw that has a buckle as well. So there's a lot of oh, like chainsaw chaps. Sorry, mm-hmm. there's a lot on your waist, and you have. 45 to 50 pounds to 70 pounds in your backpack
0: and what's in your backpack
1: um I carry a uh, MRE so it's a ration mm-hmm. um sometimes I carry snacks I carry two liters of water I carry uh, extra tools um, a compass a, a GPS there's okay. a bunch of shit I carry. Yeah.
0: What kind of tools do you
1: need? A from so saws? You need hand hand tools, so it would be a Pulaski. A Pulaski is very useful. It's the most common in wildfire. What that is, it's an axe head with a grubbing end on one side. What is grubbing? So, you know what a hoe is? <laughs> 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 sure <Hey>. do.
0: <laughs> a hoe
1: <laughs> is... Um, it's like, what you use for gardening. Yeah, like the rake kind of thing. It's similar to a okay. rake, but it's flat. It's yeah. like one whole sheet of metal like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I know you listeners can't see that, but uh, what I'm describing, <laughs> it's you just have to be here. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Losers. <laughs> just kidding.
1: <laughs> so you have this this grubbing end and that is used to um, remove the dirt and then you have the axe to remove any root wads or any smaller okay. trees. Um, that's break. pretty
0: specific for fire. It's very specific. I've done, I've done a lot of camping and I've never needed
1: it's, that. It was named after Ed Pulaski, who was um, one of the first with the Forest Service. So, oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh that's cool. And then we use uh, any sort of grubbing tool, any digging tool, like a, we call a chingadera. It's okay. pretty much a shovel. That, well, that's 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 called, a, rhino, where you okay. grab a shovel you cut the tip off and then you bend it.
0: And why would you do that?
1: Um so you can remove more organic material. It's a wider wider. So
0: you're telling me that tool. I should be cutting the tips and bending my shovels to get more You could
1: use a <laughs> you could use a regular <laughs> shovel if you'd like, but it's a very awkward technique in order to dig line.
0: So do you have to, you have to carry shovels and stuff too, or is that like hauled in on vehicles? We have,
1: yeah, it's hauled in in the crew, uh, the crew haulers, uh, they're called buggies. Um, buggies. Yeah.
0: Where I'm from, that's a shopping cart.
1: Yeah, just wondering. think of a massive shopping cart full <laughs> of hot shots.
0: <laughs> I like the picture of that.
1: <laughs> no, but the buggies is where it's pretty much home away from home. Yeah. Um, it seats 10 people. Can be uncomfortable, and that's where you spend 14 to 21 days straight with people on your crew working 16 hour days. So,
0: so as a buggy, it's more like a place to chill out, is that
1: it's your crew carrier? Uh, We sleep on the ground, okay. That was my
0: question. Yeah, we
1: we that's where we have our tents, our Mm -hmm. sleeping bags, um, our. Our tools
0: right how close are you sleeping to the fire
1: um you're probably several miles away okay. just depends depends so on do this, you
0: hike uh, in and hike out
1: yes Oh wow. and okay sometimes you just have to hike sometimes you get flown into an area that where you can't be next to your vehicles that happens quite often especially with hotshot crews you you get flown into an area and you're pretty much well away from the fire mm-hmm. um, where you could still see it and that's where you rest your rest your head
0: can you still feel it from that far away the no. heat no. no no well that's
1: no. nice and theoretically you're not supposed to uh sometimes you sleep right next to the fire um depending on how how severe it is or how far everything else logistically it's not going to work you can sleep at the heel of the fire especially if it's completely out Mm -hmm. the danger with that is falling trees at night
0: oh i didn't even think about that yeah yeah why do they fall at night
1: (laughs) well any time of the day and it's also a wind change usually we get a a wind change throughout sometime around 1600 so four o'clock to six again this depends this is depending on the geographic area that you're you're in
0: yeah okay well okay so my last little tidbit here Mm -hmm. um i want to talk about specifically flagstaff arizona um someone was kind of telling me that this is almost like a dangerous place to live and there's always fires every year kind of surrounding it. I know when I got here last year in the summer, it was the first time I ever saw ash rain from the sky. That yeah, was probably
1: from the fire I was on.
0: Yeah. You were, yeah, we we talked about the fire you were on was like near where I was camping towards the Grand Canyon, right?
1: Yeah, it's the Slate Fire.
0: So is this area, I guess, prone to, are we living in a dangerous area? What's going on here?
1: I mean, anywhere you go in the country, it is going to be dangerous, but... Um, it's just I don't want to say it's it's more dangerous in other cities. It's just it's a part of Flagstaff. Right. It's it's it does happen every year. Um we have a lot of lightning here. Is that why? Yeah, we have a lot of lightning fires that start and we can't control that.
0: So if it wasn't for you guys, though, Flagstaff probably
1: maybe over probably or probably not because if fire was just roaming freely without mm. us suppressing it every time it would probably thin everything out I and mean, then fires yeah, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be as consistent
0: so you would say or, that it's safe to live here
1: i feel safe living here
0: yeah but you also work on the fires
1: i also work on fires but <laughs> i'm also from los angeles so they have a Ton of fires there. I feel safe living there in the sense that I'm not next to the brush or the trees, or I'm not in the foothills. Although there's something else, you know, there's earthquakes and oh yeah, do you get earthquakes here? Uh no, but uh three years ago there was an earthquake. It was a very small earthquake. Did you feel it? We also have tornadoes here. Really? Yeah. Several years ago, there was a tornado that swept through. I think it was Belmont.
0: Is that close to here? Yeah, it's okay. it's just
1: it's just west of here on okay. the forty.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I still don't know the area, guys. I'm I'm working on it.
1: Okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm teaching her.
0: Yeah, thank you. Is there anything? If you could uh, tell the people one thing about fires, preventing fires, what they should do, anything at all, what would you say?
1: Um, I'd say taking it if take a little bit more of an interest into it because it's going to be very it's it's very much a part of living here in the United States now especially if you live on the west try to be a responsible camper don't burn your shit paper and put your fire out have enough water um don't let your trash fires turn into fire
0: yeah
1: um, <laughs> and just you know try to try to take care of this land as much as you possibly can yeah um
0: and if there are fire bans, guys, listen to them. Because last year, I watched a guy start a fire because he wanted a campfire. And within five minutes, it had gone, you know, 15 feet outside of that fire ring. That's, and thankfully, we had all just gone and gotten water and, like, that had five-gallon buckets. But
1: is one of the most annoying things mm-hmm. that I ever have to deal with.
0: Cuz people, people just that not, ref-
1: just want to have a campfire... And it's like, hey, there's a restriction. Hey, there's... Another tip would be don't have a campfire when it's really windy out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) And just watch for fire bands, you know, and listen to them. Um, Also, do you have... I know you have your comedy... Mm Do you have um, a website or anywhere people can check you out or come see you perform?
1: Yeah, so uh, tomorrow, this Friday, uh, the 21st, I do have a uh, stand-up comedy open mic night uh, at Awakava. Um, That starts at 7, goes until 9. And I also have a radio show. It's called Audio Discharge. And you can stream online at radiosunnyside.org. That's every Saturday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And I have another radio show called Sunday Brunch. And that is from 10 a.m. to 12 Mountain Standard Time every Sunday.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you, Louise. Say goodbye to the people.
1: Goodbye. Oh, you could also follow me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's audio <laughs> underscore discharge underscore FLG.
0: All right. Thank you. Y'all go check him out and uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye. Thanks for having me. Yeah.